powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. The New York Islanders have been sensed. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa, everyone. I'm your host, Maud, and today we actually get to talk about a victory, which is seeming somewhat rare for the Sens lately, but uh, I think it will be a pretty upbeat show tonight with uh, that 2-1 victory over the Islanders. I am actually in a pretty good mood for once uh, compared to how the Sens have been making me feel lately. Um, just before I really get into things today, uh, I just want to uh, talk about... Uh, Bob Jones really briefly because uh, with his ALS diagnosis just want to say that my thoughts are with him and his family uh, really hoping he can beat this this awful disease um, I'm sure the whole Sens fan fan base and uh, hockey community is really going to rally behind him uh, it was nice seeing him on the bench tonight I believe uh, on the broadcast they said that he's usually a coach who's more of the eye in the sky type up in the press box I guess um, so it was a nice touch from the coaching staff to have uh Bob Jones down there with the team tonight, and that probably uh, gave gave the team a little bit of a boost too. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're all super worried about him, and uh, yeah, I just I, I wish him the best of luck in uh, in dealing with this this terrible disease. I, I just wanted to uh, to say that before getting started tonight. Uh, but yeah, Ridley Grieg's debut or Grieg, I, I said it right away. Oh my god. Ridley Gregg's debut. I don't know why, but I always mispronounce this dude's name. I always read it in my head as Grieg, and then that's how I've been saying it this whole time, and then it's just, it's Gregg, and so I need to get that straight. I'm probably gonna mess that up quite a few more times tonight, but Ridley Gregg, he was absolutely awesome tonight. Something, something positive for Sens fans to, to cheer about for once. It was like, halfway through the game, it was feeling like he's playing so good, that even if we lose this game, it's um, it w- it would be a pretty a pretty positive vibes, pretty positive vibes all around, just because of how awesome he was tonight. But uh, we'll get into that and my recap of the game. Just also going to say that I am a little bit under the weather tonight, so if I'm off my game at all, uh, apologies for that. <laughs> I have like a. A, like a canker sore on the side of my tongue too so I'm very scared that I'm going to end up biting it uh, during this show and then causing myself a bunch of pain so if I'm talking weird at all there's uh there's some some issues going on there but uh yeah before I get into the recap of tonight's game we are just going to hear a word from our sponsor sports interaction Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. I keep forgetting that... I need to turn off the sends graphic after I come back from the ad read. I, I think I did the exact same thing in a previous game. Maybe it wasn't after the ad read, but after switching to a different source. So uh, we, get to, we get to play the jingle again, celebrate the win one more time with that, that little jingle. Uh, it was a sensing tonight from the Ottawa Senators. It was, uh, I have to say, I think it was a bit of a, a fortunate opponent for the Senators to face tonight because the Islanders, their record in their last 10 coming into this game was 1-6-3. So only one win in the last 10. 
looking pretty dusty there and they've been struggling to score a lot of goals lately too so I feel like that's a really good matchup for the Sens here tonight just in the fact that uh, we've been giving up a lot lately especially just getting outmatched uh, five on five although speaking of five on five goal scoring I was a little bit worried about that coming in tonight because I took a look at the stats and the Islanders despite having uh, scoring struggles lately um a lot of that is their power play because their 5v5 goals ranking is actually 12th in the whole league with 103 goals. Whereas the Sens coming into this game had just 69, very nice, uh, ranked 31. I think it was the Blackhawks who were one goal worse. Um, so I wasn't really expecting the Sens to do too well at 5 on 5 tonight, but to be honest, they did. So <laughs> pretty, pretty impressive. I think. It was a big bounce back game from the team. Like, I think the the three days off since the last game uh, really helped them. They they seem to be very focused right from the start, right from the puck drop tonight, and just uh, they played hard. I I gotta hand it to them. Like, there's been all this criticism about coaching, and I think I'm gonna get into that later tonight. But just um, I have to hand it to them. I have to hand it to the team and the coaching staff tonight that. Uh, they actually played a very solid game, very solid 60-minute effort. So we'll get in. We'll get into the the recap here. Uh, I, I did also want to point out that this was yet another game broadcast on Sportsnet, and we'll have the next two games on Sportsnet as well. It's been so many Sportsnet broadcasts lately, and I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I remember. I think it was last week. I saw on Twitter that. <laughs> On TSN broadcasts, the Senators' record is actually above 500, which is shocking. Um, they, it was like 16, 11, and 3 or something like that. And then the record on Sportsnet broadcasts was just absolutely horrible. So I'm thinking that we are absolutely cursed on Sportsnet, but luckily we were able to grind out a win here tonight. It was just a little bit of a funny thing that uh, that everyone's been noticing is those... Uh, oh my god, those... Sportsnet broadcasts. Hopefully we can turn the luck around a little bit, especially on some national broadcasts uh, against the Leafs and the Habs coming up. Uh, it would be nice to stick it to their fans a little bit and actually get some wins on the Sportsnet telecast. Um, just want to shout out Carl in the chat. He is an Islanders fan saying that our power play sucks and it has sucked ever since Trotz started as our coach. Um, yeah, that's something that I've noticed with the New York Islanders for a long time now is that power play just doesn't get it done. Like you would think with Matt Barzell running things that they would be pretty good. And you know, you have Anders Lee as well, who is very good at banging goals in in front of the net. I think his goal totals have dropped a little bit since, uh, since the Tavares years, but, and I know Noah Dobson is pretty good on the power play now too, but he was out tonight. I noticed they had a rookie. Uh, I think his name was Boldu. Uh, he was quarterbacking the power play, so inter interesting things with the Islanders' power play. It it didn't look super threatening tonight, which I'm sure Islanders fans are probably somewhat used to, sadly, at this point. Uh, but it benefits the Sens, so I I'm not mad about it. Uh, anyway, really, Greg, we got we're gonna be talking lots about him tonight. I just I want to take a look at his final stat line here because I haven't had a chance yet. He finished the night. With one assist, eight shots on goal. I knew he had a lot. Ended up being eight shots on goal. Picked up a hit, two shot blocks as well, two takeaways. And I had actually written down in my notes both of those takeaways. They were both really good defensive plays from him uh, that I'll, I will mention later. And 
13 minutes, 46 seconds of time on ice, which is pretty good for uh, for a debut as a rookie center. Like, so many rookies come into the league and their first game is like six minutes or less. Like, compared to uh, Jacob Pelletier, I think his name is, in... I don't know if I pronounced that right, but uh, from Calgary, just getting like no ice time and taking like five games to get into the lineup after being called up. Like, I'm very glad that uh, that DJ just put Greg or Greg. Oh my God, I'm gonna say Greg so many times. I'm so sorry. I'm glad that DJ Smith just put Greg in a position to succeed right away because this Sens fans really need something to cheer about, and I don't think it would have been very productive to be putting Greg. Uh, just in our bottom six with considering the type of players that we have in our bottom six. So it was really awesome to see him center uh, Giroud and Debrinket. And I thought they were a great line. I thought uh, he brought some much needed uh, energy to that line because I think with Pinto centering them for a lot of the season, he's a little bit more of a slower and cerebral player, whereas uh, Grieg just gets in there and like causes problems for for the opponent's defense, and he brings a ton of energy. He had, uh, the first thing I noticed from him was he had a great defensive play, I believe it was a back check, uh, at this point, because it was so early in the game, I can't remember, like, exactly what happened, but he had a great back check early in the game where he basically took away an Islander's scoring chance, so that was great to see right away that it's two-way play that we're getting from this guy. Uh, everyone wants to just see rookies, like, score their first points right away, but as soon as I saw that play, I was already happy with him. Like, no matter how the rest of the game played out, if he didn't get any points, it was like, he he's already, uh, putting in the work defensively. And then, he was also strong on the forecheck really early on. I think it was the, his second or third shift, um, with, uh, Giroud and Debrinket out there. He, he was causing turnovers on the forecheck, and, uh, they got the puck back to the point. It was a tip chance, I think. I think Hamannick threw it on net, which he, he likes to do a lot. Um, and Greg, Greg tipped it just wide. <laughs> Almost saying Grieg again. This is gonna this is gonna trip me up all night. Greg tipped it just wide, so close to his first NHL goal uh, in the first period there. That would have been nice, but it was still a great night for him regardless, even though he didn't get that. He did get the first NHL assist later, which we will get to that. Um, and then I did want to point out the penalty call on Stutzla in the first period. Uh, disclaimer here, I do not think that Tim Stutzla is a diver, and I think that that whole narrative is very overblown, uh, but I think he dove tonight, um, I thought that was a really soft tripping call, like, when I saw the replay, I didn't really, really see the stick of the defender get anywhere near his skates, um, I feel like he went down pretty easy there, and drew a call, uh, which I'm not mad about, like, I don't want to see him diving, but if it convinces everyone on the ice, then, uh, sure, like, let's go with it. It benefited the team. So I'm not mad about it, but I do have to be a little bit unbiased and say that Timmy did dive there, in my opinion. Uh, but we actually got something out of this power play, even though it ended up counting as an even strength goal. But uh, just before the goal, can't believe Dabrinkin missed that chance. It was a beautiful passing with, I think, Batherson and Kachuk. Um, it looked like Dabrinkin had a wide-open net, but... I never even saw a replay of that chance because play continued and uh, Shane Pinto ended up scoring. It was a fluky goal. The shot from the point from Giroud kind of bounced around, I think, off of an Islanders defender. And then Pinto kind of whacked it out of midair. It was it was really weird. Like, as the puck was coming towards him, he, he was able to swat it on his backhand. Like, 
such a weird play. I think I've seen Crosby score like that before. Uh, obviously, it was more impressive when Crosby did it in like a crazier way, but very good goal from Shane Pinto. Kind of just creating something out of nothing there where it's just, it just looks like a broken play, a, a bouncing puck towards the net, and he manages to whack it in. It was an awesome goal. It was, uh, as I mentioned, the 5-on-5 five -five scoring earlier. This does count as a 5-on-5 five -five goal for the Sens, but really it was a power play goal. It was about 10 or 15 seconds, I think, after the power play ended. And then uh, it, it was still the second power play unit on the ice. Uh, Giroux was at the point. We only had one defenseman out in Sanderson. They both pick up the assists. Uh, two assists for Sanderson tonight as well. I think he was probably the Sens' best player, other than Greg, like... I'm just so happy with Jake Sanderson. I like we can't say enough about how great he is. Like on this show, I feel like every game, anytime I have a guest on and I'm like, who do you think was the best for the Sense tonight? The answer is always Jake Sanderson. Like he's had a couple of rough nights that I can remember, but when I say a couple, I mean like literally two. And then every other night, he's just amazing. So shout out to Jake Sanderson. Nice to see him getting on the board with some assists tonight. And uh it was it was pretty funny, I do have to mention, at the end of the first period when Peugeot scored, but it was about half a second uh, after time expired. It was uh, unlucky for him because it, it it's, not like, it's not like everyone had stopped playing or anything uh, when the buzzer went. It was just unfortunate that uh, that didn't count for him. All, so, nice for me as a Peugeot lover to see him score and have it not count against the Sens. So it, it sucks for him, but uh, we'll take that. And I have to say, I have mentioned on this show before about how the Peugeot trade makes me kind of sad because I wish we still had him. He's one of my favorite players, and I just think he's like the perfect third-line center for any team. But uh, at least, like what I keep saying about that trade is that at least Ridley Gregg can come back and maybe maybe not quite have the impact of Peugeot, but if he ever reaches like similar production levels while also being like kind of a shit disturber, um, that would just be great, and that would make the trade pretty good overall. Um, and it's funny enough that his first NHL game comes against Peugeot, who the pick came from that trade. Yeah, and then that, that about does it for my notes for the first period. Uh, I also wanted to point out that the Corsi for the Sens was just brilliant in the first period. Uh, they had a 68 percentage uh, for Corsi, and the scoring chances was 16, 4, and 3 against, which surprised me a little bit because I don't think I don't think I remember 16 scoring chances. High danger chances, it was 8 to 0. So that's that's pretty good. I really had no complaints about that first period. That was just awesome stuff for the Sens, and they... Uh, they came away with the one nothing lead. You know, they've had such trouble scoring when dominating that I'll take the one goal lead after dominating a period because there's been so many times where we have the the Corsi stats looking great like that, but then we end up tied or losing. So that was very encouraging to see tonight. And then into the second period, really early on, we get that power play goal from Claude Giroux and the first initial point for Ridley Gregg just an absolutely awesome moment. They've uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about how Greg's idol growing up was basically Claude Giroux, and they were showing some pictures on the broadcast of him meeting Giroux uh, when he was a kid. So just totally amazing that his first NHL game he gets placed on a line with Claude Giroux, and then 
assists him for his first NHL point. Like, just what a moment. That's probably going to be, like, one of the moments that, that we remember all season as, like, a highlight for, for Sens fans. Like, just awesome moment. So happy to have Giroux on this team. And at his age, too, the fact that he is now playing with players who grew up idolizing him, and Giroux is still a beast. Like, he's still absolutely producing at, like, almost a point per game, right? Just awesome stuff. That was such a great moment. And then the other great takeaway from Ridley Grigg. Grigg, yes, I pronounced it right there. I feel like I almost said Grigg again. Oh, my God. Um... His, uh, he had a great takeaway after Talbot had a bit of a miscue behind the net. Talbot went out to play it, but the puck just kind of stopped in the uh, in the zone where he's not allowed to play the puck. So uh, the Islanders ended up getting to the puck, threw it out in front. It looked like a really dangerous chance, but uh, Greg got there and totally disrupted it. A perfect stick check to just break that up. And then I think they went the other way on the counterattack. So again, I just got to give props to Greg for the all-around great two-way game tonight. He was, he was just awesome. He was just awesome. Like, I I feel like I'm spending this whole time talking about Greg, but what can you say? Like, he, he just, he did everything tonight. He did everything except score. And even then, he still had eight shots, so he easily could have scored. Like, and I feel like a lot of those weren't muffin shots either. Like, a lot of them were pretty good chances. I wish I could see, like, how many of his eight shots were, like, if any of them were listed as high danger scoring chances or anything, but... Yeah, just just awesome stuff tonight from from Greg. And um, halfway through the game, we were out shooting the Islanders 26 to 16. So, it was looking pretty good at that point. The shots did end up being close. I think it was yeah, 38 to 36 in the end. A slight edge for the Sens in the shots. So, the Islanders did pick it up uh from that point on about halfway through. It was uh a soft goal kind of allowed for for Brock Nelson, but uh, oh, I guess that goal was on Forsberg. I should mention that there was the goalie change uh, right before that. Talbot unfortunately getting injured, and this has me a little bit scared because even though our goaltending has been underperforming lately, the thing about one of them getting injured is that uh, Mad Sogard is also injured down in the minors. So all we have is Kevin Mandelis as our other healthy goalie. So if if Talbot is gonna miss any significant portion of time, that's going to be pretty rough. You you pretty much have to call up Mandalese or, like, figure out how to get a stopgap goalie. Uh, and then Forsberg is going to have to be strong. And luckily, he was strong tonight. The, the only goal that beat him was totally not his fault. Uh, as I said, it was kind of soft defending in front of the net. Just, I, I think it was Debrinkit kind of just floating around in front of the slot doing nothing. He didn't look great on that play, and... Uh, Hamannick was tied up in front. I I feel like I can't even really analyze Travis Hamannick at this point. I feel like he just does what he does out there. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah, Forsberg is going to need to be really good for the team coming up here if Talbot is going to miss any significant time because I don't think the team is trying to get Kevin Mandelis into any games yet. And uh, if Talbot misses any time, they're probably going to be wishing that they still had uh, Magnus Helberg sitting around, sitting around as the third goalie. But uh, you can't predict these sort of things. Like Helberg has been gone for a while now, and he's actually been playing games for Detroit. So it's uh, like we couldn't have just kept him scratched this whole time uh, with both goalies healthy. But it sucks that we kind of we maybe we could use him now. So hopefully, hopefully it's not a serious injury for Talbot. 
hopefully he will be back relatively quickly. But at least Forsberg was very good for the rest of this game. Gave me a bit of hope that he can have a bit of a bounce back for the second half of the season because, like, uh, both him and Talbot, their stats have just been slipping. Like, I think at the point that I did my player letter grades after the game against Boston, I think it was right after Christmas, I had given them both pretty good ratings. I think Talbot a B plus and Forsberg a B minus at that point. And they both had, like... I think Talbot's save percentage was like a 9.11 or something, and Forsberg was like 9.09 or 9.08 or something like that. And now they're, I think they're both below 900 or very close to 900. So goaltending has taken a big dip, but I, I'm, I'm really hoping that Forsberg can turn things around here. Maybe he'll get on a bit of a run here, considering he might have to play a bunch of games in a row with Talbot injured. But, but yeah, the Islanders get that goal to get back into the game. Luckily, that was all they got for the rest of the game. Forsberg had an amazing glove save on Pajot in the third period. And then, I feel like the Sens did a pretty good job of shutting things down in the third, even though they did get outshot 14-7 to in that period. I didn't feel like the Islanders ever really got too close, other than that Pajot chance, and then uh, sort of when they had the goalie pulled in the final minute, but it wasn't uh, any grade-A chances or anything. We had, uh, we had some missed chances in the third period as well. Uh, Dabrinkit absolutely stoned on the doorstep on the power play. That was really frustrating to see after he missed that uh, kind of open net chance at the beginning of the game. I feel like Dabrinkit has just been really snakebit again lately. I'd have to look at his uh, stats in the past 10 games or so, but I feel like he was awesome in December after kind of a quiet start to the season. He was really good like late November into December and then January I feel like it's just not happening for him again like he I think he has a couple goals this month but just uh he seems to be a really streaky player um I still really like him but I, I want to see him scoring again and then on that same power play Batherson hit the crossbar which was also frustrating like it was it's like right after on the same shift so luckily the Sens uh their missed chances did not come back to bite them in this one because uh, that really would have sucked. It was it was impressive to see them actually shut it down and win a low scoring game. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I don't think I don't think there's been any games this year that they've won while only scoring two goals or less. Like I I don't think they've had any one nothing games. I don't think they've had any two to one wins at all either. So it was actually kind of refreshing to have a solid overall a uh, defensive effort from the sense tonight it was just i think it, part of it though like i'm not totally sold on like a, a bounce back from the team after this game even though it was a great bounce back game after uh, a rough stretch i think part of it is circumstances in terms of playing the islanders who as i said earlier have just been really bad lately in their last 10 games and and having trouble scoring themselves so even though we looked really good defensively tonight if, like, if, who do we play next? Toronto. Like, I don't really expect that our defensive game will look, like, nearly as good against a team like the Leafs. So, I, I am happy with it tonight, but, but I don't know. Uh, Carl in the chat, once again, I just want to point out, he said, the Sens played a really solid defense all game, honestly. It was like watching the Isles when we were playing good, so props to the Sens. That is good to hear, uh, the Sens defense compared to the Isles, because, uh, usually it is nothing like that. And that makes me kind of think that because of, because we were playing the Isles, it was, 
it was a little bit easier to defend maybe but but no shade to them i i do like the isles i hope that uh they can get some scoring back and uh, make the playoff race interesting for for the rest of the season uh but yeah that's that's pretty much i think all my thoughts on tonight's game there was a couple other things um that came up since my last broadcast uh because there was three games in between or three days in between games a couple things that i want to touch on um Obviously, I've been talking this whole game, or this whole night, about Ridley Gregg. And because of that uh, Josh Norris injury, that is the main reason that he was actually called up. And I, I thought about talking about that right at the beginning of this uh, of this broadcast, but um, it was a fun game, and I wanted to focus on positives uh, for most of it. But yeah, the Josh Norris re-injuring his shoulder incident is just uh it was just painful to watch and i feel like as soon as norris came back in that first game or even before he played in that game and it was announced that he wasn't going to take any face-offs at all it was just uh it was just a bad omen you had literally everyone on twitter right away like just being like oh my god are you sure that he's healthy and we said it on the show uh me me and uh louis when i had him on after norris's first game back we were like Okay, he looked good, but if you can't take face-offs, are you really ready to return? And then, of course, everyone ended up being right that uh, he tweaked his shoulder really easily on, like, a completely innocuous play. So it's just uh, it's just so frustrating to see that happen to one of our top centers again after uh, Pinto came back from a shoulder, shoulder injury and, like, immediately re-injured it last year. It's like... You would think that the Sens medical staff would have learned something from that. It's it's tough for me to say because I'm not an expert on on medical matters or anything about injuries. So on one hand, I feel like I should give credit to the Sens medical staff for letting the player do what they want to do. Because there was that whole uh, Jack Eichel fiasco where he wanted to get a specific surgery that he believed was better for him in the long term, but the team wouldn't let him do it. Um, and to be fair, this is the opposite scenario where it's a player deciding not to get surgery, but, uh, you know, the team could have just said, like, no, you have to get the surgery, but they they gave him his options. I think um, I can't really be too mad at the team for letting the player do what he wanted to do. I think, I feel like it was worth it to try to rehab the shoulder it's just that uh, it's risky is the thing. At least, I think the reason that it was worth it is just because if he had the surgery right away, he was going to be out for the whole season anyway. You might as well try to rehab it, see if it will be good for the rest of the season. And then if it's not, then you have the surgery. And at this point, now that he is having it, um, I think he'll he'll still be back in time for training camp next year so I don't think he really lost out on anything in this situation other than I mean missing out on a bunch of games but it's it's like it would have happened anyway if he got the surgery initially he would have missed the same amount of time so as frustrating as it is I, I can't be I don't think I can be too angry about the way this was handled like without any inside information or anything uh Carl once again saying Norris is one of his favorite players on the Senators, and he's sad he missed seeing him play because of injury. I am sad too. We have all missed him for freaking 40 games now that he's missed. Like, I think his final stats for the season ended up being only eight games played. I think it was five before he got 
injured initially, and then the three returning. It was, uh, I thought it was kind of funny that in the game that he got re-injured, he still absolutely sniped a goal off of the face-off. It's like, your shoulder can be on the verge of just totally uh, breaking again. Like, not breaking, but uh, becoming totally injured again. But he could just still absolutely rip one off the face-off dot. He scored a beautiful goal in that game, and the Sens just really miss his his great shot. It's just, uh, it's so it's so depressing, but... At least Ridley Gregg coming up is something something that the Sens fans can be excited for. We can we can plug him into the lineup, and it looks like he can uh, play some solid two-way game for us. Play play a decent amount of minutes, and it looks like he can hang with the top six, which is awesome. Um, and that, I do have to say as well, if Ridley Gregg plays the rest of this season, doesn't get sent back down to Belleville again, like is he? Here's the thing. Maybe one of him or Pinto would, like, maybe get moved to the wing. Because, like, for next season, if Greg has, like, established himself as a full-time NHLer for the rest of the season, it's like, when you start next season and you have everyone healthy, you have Stutzla, number one C, Norris, two, Pinto, three. I don't think you want to play Greg on the fourth line if he's established himself. Now, it may end up being that he his play tails off a bit and he has to go back to Belleville to develop a little bit further but it'll be interesting to see if if Greg does play the rest of the season and does really well we might have a bit of a log jam up, up the middle of the ice on this team which is something that I did not expect to be saying like even just last year Strusso wasn't even a center a year ago it was probably probably about a year ago now that uh, that when Norris got injured last year they, out of desperation, moved Stutzla to, to center, and that ended up being just a, a perfect a perfect accident, because what a beast he is. But yeah, totally unexpected situation to potentially be having a logjam there. Like, I've, a lot of people earlier in the season, in the offseason, were talking about Greg as a bit of a trade chip. Um, maybe, like, his name was getting tossed out there for, like, Jacob Trickren trade proposals. Um... After seeing him play today, I definitely want to keep him. I definitely don't want to be trading him for a defenseman, but who knows at this point with the with the potential logjam at center. I don't know, maybe one of Greg or Pinto could be on the trading block in the future, but I'm probably getting ahead of myself there. That's only if Greg continues his great play and plays with the Sens for the rest of the season and doesn't get sent back down. But speaking of a potential trade for a defenseman, which is another thing that we are always talking about on this show. I, I did just want to mention as well that uh, Pierre Dorian has been busy with the scouting lately. I'm sure everyone has seen on Twitter. He's now, he's been doing much of scouting in person. He scouted the Kings twice. I think it was the Canucks once or twice and the Hawks twice as well. And the uh, thing is, when you're looking to trade for a defenseman, Playoff teams are not often looking to give up on top four defensemen. So, like, I don't like hearing that the Canucks and Hawks are being scouted because most of their players suck. Like, I look at their right-hand D and it's like, Tyler Myers, he better not be scouting him. Seth Jones, he better not be scouting him. And uh, Connor Murphy on the Blackhawks, maybe, but I don't really know if he's good or not. I remember hearing 
back before he had signed his extension that like oh it was a great deal when it was signed but now i'm hearing so so much that not so much that he's not so good anymore so but it might just be because the hawks totally suck now it's making him look worse so i don't know i don't know how i'm feeling about these scouting trips from dorian uh and then for the kings of course everyone wants matt roy uh I, it's it's a weird situation because I don't know too much about this guy. I feel like no one knows anything about him other than that uh, apparently he's good and he plays like 20 minutes a night for the Kings. It, it's a little bit weird for a playoff team, like I said, to be looking to get rid of a top 4D, but hopefully we can snag him. Apparently it's that they're trying to free up room for their younger right defensemen. Like uh, they have Brant Clark coming up. They have Sean Dersey. They have uh, Jordan Spence. So... Maybe we can poach Matt Roy. There's also Sean Walker on the Kings that I believe he was playing as in a top four role for them in the past. Not so much now as he got passed by these passing the lineup by these other guys. But uh, I have to say on these potential trade targets, I want Matt Roy. I wouldn't I would be open to Connor Murphy. Sean Walker, I don't know. It feels like that feels kind of just like shooting too low. I feel like you should aim higher. Uh, anyone else? from those teams I don't want I don't want at all I do have to say since we're playing the Islanders tonight uh I think Scott Mayfield would be a great target uh to fill our right right defense role um especially because the Islanders might just totally bomb out of the playoff race and he's going to be a UFA so he could get moved at the deadline I think I don't think Pierre Dorian should be looking looking to get a rental I wouldn't give up assets for him at the deadline but he probably would get moved if the Islanders aren't going to make it and then maybe you can snag him in free agency. I think uh, I think that's a good guy for the Sens to target. I would prefer, I just have to say, to close things off, I would prefer Scott Mayfield over any of these other guys that are potentially being scouted. Um, but that might just be dreaming. Always dreaming as a Sens fan, hoping for better out of this team. But who knows? Who knows? You never know what you're going to get out of a Sens game, out of a Sens season. It's... Uh, just a crazy roller coaster with this team as always but that's where i'm going to wrap it up for tonight um thank you everyone for watching leave a like if you enjoyed it subscribe to sdpn and since i'm wearing the merch going to shout that out head to sdpn.ca if you want to get some merch of your own and that'll do it for tonight thank you everyone for watching Game over! powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook